0: Hey, everybody. Um, Eric from Hit Subscribe here, and I am coming to you at a different time than normal today because, um, I don't know, life is full of adventure, and who can say when anything's going to happen? Uh, in all seriousness, I have a conflict later, so I'm doing this in an earlier time slot. I hope that's okay, um, assuming anybody's watching this. Today's topic is... Uh, how do you set your, or how do you determine what to bill as a new freelancer? So I'm continuing this series we're doing aimed at kind of like entry-level freelancing questions, and obviously this is an important one to folks. Um, I'm going to have two answers here for you. One is going to be sort of like philosophical and uh, shoppy, and then I'm going to weave that in with some extremely specific advice. Um, the specific advice will be actionable, very clear, and very easy, but um, but my hope is that you use that as a starting point and then consider the philosophical part that I'm saying here. So when it, if you have been working a salaried job, making um, some kind of um, predictable salary, and then you decide to go off on your own as a freelancer, and then ostensibly and eventually as like a business owner in general, um, you are used to like a pattern in the salaried world that won't really repeat meaningfully in the freelance world. So let me speak to this a little bit. And the philosophical thing here is that freelancing, um, or excuse me, salaried employment marries your salary to you as almost a personal property of yours. And so here's what I mean. Like you go out and you acquire a certain skill set, you know, maybe a trade, and you start out making $50,000 a year. And then every year you get like a 2% 2 to 4% merit increase depending on how well you do. And so over the course of time, your salary grows and you have this idea of a progression throughout your career that you're growing in skill and you're a good worker and you're becoming worth more. So the salaried world, it's actually kind of depressing when you think of it in these terms, ties your salary to you as if it were a property of you. You as a human being are a $74,000 a year human being. And that's kind of how we think of ourselves. Like when we're salaried employees, mm-hmm. we think of salary as like what we are worth. Like this is, you know, it's almost like you're a diamond or a mineral uh, on, the, on the market and you just have an objective value that's assigned to you based on your carat weight or whatever. Um, and so that mentality is very big in the salaried world and you walk around um kind of thinking like i'm you know this x dollar a year uh type employee like i have these skills and this experience and so i am worth x my value is x people talk that way about themselves when you hit the open market that kind of ceases to be true now it doesn't seem like it if you go into upwork and you're asked to set your hourly rate that's almost like a continuation of that whole same paradigm but here's the thing um as you become a business owner and you deliver a service or a value or an outcome, it gets to the point where you're not really worried about like, that person's intrinsic worth. To understand what I mean, imagine that um, you had a leak under your sink, like whenever you turn on the water, uh, there was a leak in the drainage under your sink. You might go out and um, call a few people and they would say, yeah, I'll come fix that for $100. Uh, in, in which case, you'd probably say, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. This is worth $100 to me. Or if they told you that they would charge you $10,000 to fix it, you might say, I can probably fix this myself with some YouTube videos and uh, determination. And then you would say, it's not worth paying $10,000 for this. So that plumber services ha- have a value to you. There is some point beyond which you'll do it yourself. Under that point, you know, you'll pay to have an expert do it. And the thing is, you're not sitting there thinking, what is this plumber worth? You're thinking about what is it worth to you to have the problem solved? And that's the essential difference between being a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, somebody in business for yourself, and being an employee, is you get away from that concept of like intrinsic market worth, um, and you start thinking in terms of like you are worth or your services are worth what value they have to your prospective customers. So all this seems pretty pedantic, I admit, but I think it's extremely important. And the reason that it's extremely important as we get into the easy actionable piece of this is you have to understand that the idea that you have a rate, the idea that you are worth something on the market is utter BS. Like there's just nothing to that. Your rate is whatever you decide it is. And it might be that like people don't pay that. Or it might be that people instantly agree to it and you realize that you could charge more and then maybe you do and you just kind of iterate towards whatever people are willing to pay you. But it would be better in general if you had a more deliberate plan. And what I mean by that is like let's say that you offered some kind of service um, to a business like uh, since our business hit subscribe helps uh, with marketing generating leads uh, drumming up more business. Let's say that you went out and you had a service and you said, you know what I can do for most businesses that are my clients, I can bring them 10 extra sales calls per month. Now, if you knew um, how many sales calls resulted in business and what the um, cost of your client's service was, you could basically say, well, 10 extra sales calls um, each month are worth $50,000 to this client. So because I'm bringing you $50,000 worth of value, what I'm going to charge you for that is $10,000 a month. And then if you are the client, it doesn't matter how many hours um, you spend on that. You're saying, for a cost of $10,000, I will bring you $50,000 in value. And if you do that, the client won't care if you spend two minutes or 200 hours. It will not matter to them. They will do that every time. Spend $10,000 to get $50,000 back? Yes, please. Where do I sign? So the journey from being salaried to being a proper business owner and um, really doing well with your customer base really lies through bringing them value, not some kind of intrinsic rate that you have like a mineral. Um, So having gotten all of that out of my system, that's not going to do you a lot of good if you're hanging out your shingle and you're saying, um, hey, I'm going to go on Upwork or whatever, Fiverr, I don't know, uh, that probably wants need to cite an hourly rate and quote it like what should that be and what you're probably wondering is how can i find one that isn't comically low where you know i might even lose business because people think i'm too cheap um or where i'm not leaving a bunch of money on the table versus how do i get into a window where i'm not making people laugh at me because i'm charging five times what anybody would pay for someone to do what i do and i've got an easy answer for you for that like the super easy this is where i would always start take your current salary, assuming you're about to go freelance at whatever you've been doing. So if you're a graphic designer for a company and you're about to go freelance graphic design or software engineer to freelance software engineer, um, then this applies. It wouldn't apply if you were like doing some kind of lateral move. But um, assuming you're about to go do something that you're a craftsperson in as a freelancer instead of for a business, take your annual salary, divide it by a thousand, there's your hourly rate. So if you were making $75,000 a year, Um, peg your hourly rate to $75 an hour. Um, Now, why does this magic trick work? Well, there are 2,040 hours, I believe, in a work year. Um, And so basically, to get the exchange between hourly and salary, like to say you made um, $75,000 a year, did I say? Uh, Then basically, if you divide that figure by 2,000, um, so what would that be about? 37 um, 37 ish. That's about your hourly rate. So if you make $75,000 a year, your hourly rate at that company, assuming 40 hour work weeks, even though your salary would be about $37 an hour. But I'm telling you to charge twice that about uh, 75. Why is that? Well, here's the thing as as an employee, um, you don't just cost your salary to your employer, you cost um, payroll taxes. So in addition to the um, money that the government takes out of your paycheck, They also take some from the employer who is paying what's called payroll taxes. Um, They they have sponsored benefit plans for you. A lot of them will kick in money for your health insurance. They will pay you not to work two to four weeks a year. They'll give you 10 holidays. All of this stuff has monetary value. Um, They will also sometimes have more exotic benefits packages for you, like maybe tuition reimbursement or a company car or whatever it is. So there is the idea of your salary $75,000 a year or 37 an hour, but at $75,000 a year. You probably cost your employer. I don't know tack on I think maybe the average is an extra like 33% or something. So um, I'm doing some gorilla math off the top of my head here, but you know, you might be costing your employer $110,000 a year or more. So um, the actual equivalent monetary worth of your job is higher. And this matters because when you go off on your own and you're freelancing, you say, I want $37 an hour the way I had at my last job. Well, here's the thing. Nobody's paying you not to work for 10 holidays and four weeks a year. Uh, Nobody's paying for your health insurance. here on your own for that. Oh, and guess what? The IRS is going to collect something called self-employment tax from you, wherein they collect from you both the employer side of payroll tax and your withholdings. So all of these things stack up, meaning that to cover all of your total comp alone as a freelancer, you um, would probably need to get that $37 an hour up in the 55, 60-ish range. Now that still doesn't get you all the way up to 75. So why am I saying charge 75? Um, Because there's another consideration in there, which is the amount of time you are billable. So you are working 40 hours a week, and whether you're eating donuts in the break room or doing something productive or attending some stupid mandatory meeting, you're getting paid hour in and hour out no matter what. As a freelancer, nobody's paying you for all those useless hours that you spend at work doing things other than working. So the idea of this is called your billable time. If you are a freelancer and you're billing 40 hours a week, my hat's off to you because that's a basically unheard of arrangement. So usually... What's going to happen is um, if you are freelancing, you're going to have lulls between gigs where you don't do anything for a week or two, and that torpedoes your billable hours per month or per year. Um, often you will, uh, unless you want to work 50 hours a week, there's administrative overhead. You're sending invoices, you're doing um, other types of business maintenance activity, putting up a website, um, drumming up business, et cetera. So that also cuts into your billable time. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty here of how to set a rate to basically more or less pay yourself your equivalent former salary. That's a little wonky, and you have to understand profit and loss and and some things at a a bit more of a detailed level than this entry level. Um, But suffice it to say that this rule of thumb where you divide your salary by a 1,000 more or less approximates the way you'll get paid the same amount of money factoring in all the stuff your employer used to pay for and the fact that you're not going to be billable 40 hours a week, week in and week out. So um, that is a good starting point, a good rule of thumb. Now, once you have that rate, if you notice that um, you're selling kind of like commodity craftsperson labor or whatever you're, you, you know, advertising your services for, um, if you find that everybody you talk to is like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll pay that, no problem, then what the market is indicating is that you can probably charge more and people think that this commodity labor you're providing is worth 85 or 95 your buyers will typically have an idea in mind of what somebody who does what you do should be paid on the open market and you might be below that if you're having a lot of trouble landing business um, if people are telling you you're too expensive uh, you might lower that rate so you can tune it according to what people will pay. Now, you do get into situations if you're on Upwork or what have you where it's going to be influenced by competition, meaning if you go and say, well, I'm, I'm going to charge $75 an hour as a professional widgeteer, um, usually somebody who's looking for professional widgeteers on Upwork views you as a commodity, meaning you and the other widgeteers are all kind of mutually replaceable. So when running an RFP process, request for proposals, like when they're having you compete um, to land the business with other people that do what you do, um, in a sense, it's almost like a job interview. But usually what they're going to do is listen to each of your pitches. They're going to get four or five pitches in. They're going to make a big show of knowing how to price your labor, and then they're just going to pick the second cheapest one, because that's what everybody running RFPs always does, is they pretend that they're going to do something else, but then they just always pick the second cheapest one. So um, my point with saying this is setting your hourly rate and trying to really kind of maximize it at the top of the window of what people expect to pay you is a strategy that can pay off kind of in the short to medium term, but sooner or later, you're going to be in endless races to the bottom. So I would put a pin in this idea of an hourly rate and maintaining an hourly rate um, as being a relatively short-term solution, and you should eventually think of other ways to bill. And I don't mean hourly, um, kind of like what I was talking about before, which is something called value-based pricing, or you set like a fixed cost, um, like Hit subscribe does, sell blog posts for just a fixed amount. I would get into stuff like that as a longer-range plan than just being a freelancer endlessly with an hourly rate. So um, there's nothing wrong with having one. It's a good way to get uh, into the market, to start writing business, get your feet wet, get a feeling for it, and you can tune it just based on the market response. But understand that over the long haul, you're always going to be kind of pushed to the bottom when you maintain an hourly rate in exchange for general labor. Um, So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, You probably got a lot more of my overall pricing philosophy and business opinions than you might have thought, but I hope that bit about the rule of thumb and then tuning the price up and down was like immediately actionable and helpful. Um, Oh, before I go, I should offer a couple of caveats. Number one, this doesn't work all that well for moonlighting. So if you're working full-time for 75K a year, $37 an hour, and you go out and you hit the um, market as a moonlighter, uh, you will have more um i guess negotiating complexity in an hourly rate simply because all of the stuff i talked in like baking in your own cost of benefits this that and the other doesn't apply you get all that stuff already so you're just kind of in it for beer money so on the one hand as a moonlighter you could say um i'm going to charge a lot more because i don't really care if they walk away from the business and that's true you can charge that um but people are going to look at your labor through a slightly different lens if you're moonlighting. Um, so that's one thing to bear in mind. The negotiation around moonlighting versus full-time freelancing gets a little more variable. Um, and then the other thing, uh, oh, goodness, I'm losing track. I had one other caveat, hourly rates. Well, I guess um, if I think of it before I say goodbye, uh throw in that caveat otherwise maybe fodder for a future video but um yeah hopefully that's been useful and uh i'm enjoying doing these so i'm going to keep going for a while you can tune in um for one of these each week usually it's going to be at 5:30 eastern on thursdays um, but i guess no guarantees there so anyway thanks for watching and i'll uh, catch you next time